pray a special blessing on my brother Glenn right now, that you would fill him with your Holy Spirit and also anoint us with your Holy Spirit and and guide us through this service, Lord. And and Father, we just uh, pray that you would move us and change us and make us more into your image this morning with whatever message you have for us. And God, I just lift up to this serious situation over in Bangladesh with the refugees. People have suffered so much already, and now they have this hurricane coming down on them. And Lord, I just pray for Travis, for wisdom, the people around him, the board that he's working with. We just ask God to you would guide us and direct us. And and uh, Lord, I pray for our youth too, the ones back in Bible school and the ones around them, that you'd fill them with your spirit, Lord, as they testify and sing later today and as they have a program after that lord we just ask you to guide and direct us through this day this is a day that you have made we will rejoice and be glad in it we pray that you would use us for your glory in jesus name amen Amen. thank you you may be seated Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. It's good to be meeting with people who love Jesus. And uh, normally I sing a song to calm my nerves and to get on with what God has for you, for us today. But I can't sing today. My voice is, I think, I don't know if I'll even be able to make it to 1130 until it starts. I just want to start coughing and can't get over it. So this morning I chose to... Um, just read to you some things that I have found <clears throat> that I thought were very interesting, just as a, a thing to strengthen your faith. And, um, well, before we go there, <clears throat> I have one announcement. I, got a, uh, I was going to bring a flyer with me today that I received this past week of a creation uh, seminar at the uh, Pioneer School Academy, Christian Academy, whatever they call it, PCA. Um, it'll be November. Um, let's see here. It'll be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 15, 16, 17. 15, 15 is on Friday. Yeah, I think it was 15, 16, and 17. 15, 16, 17, yeah. And uh, there will be some meals provided and so forth and so on. So, and it's this, he's been there before, this Richard um, Stepnack, or however you pronounce his name, from Colorado will be there. Talking about creation. <coughs> so anyway, I'll bring a, uh, the invitation. They gave it to me and said, hang it up at your church and tell them they're all welcome to come. So I'll hang it up there. I was going to bring it this morning and I failed to. It was laying there on my desk and I failed to bring it. Your faith. How is your faith this morning? And here's some, just some things from Scripture. Faith. Faith is building an ark when there is no rain. Faith is building an ark when there is no rain. And a lot of these things that I'm going to read, these little quotes that I have that, that are out of Scripture, um, and I have been adding to them. I added another one this morning. You know, if you stop and think about it, you know, when God asked Noah to build this ark on the middle of the desert, out in the middle of nowhere, there's no water around, it's dry, it's just sand, and to build an ark out there, it's like our human, our human minds would go, now that is a bizarre, stupid idea, right? That's how we as humans would think, God, why would you ask me 
to build an ark out in the middle of the Sahara Desert when there's, it's not, it never rained since creation and to build this ark out there. But that's faith. Faith is building an ark when there is no rain. Faith is to build a safety net for your, uh, an ark of safety when there is no rain. It is dipping seven times in a muddy river when there when when you have open wounds. Now, how much sense does that make? Us uh, health freaks, we, whoa, we're not going in there. It's dirty. You know, why have more contamination in an open wound? But God says, um, God told he, um, which prophet was it? Elisha. But anyway, Naaman to go down and dip into the river seven times and you will be healed. But he was all in a huff and a puff. But he finally humbled himself and dipped himself seven times in a muddy river. And the last time he came out, he was totally healed. I don't think God, when God heals, it's 100%. It isn't 98%, not 99.9. It's 100%. He's, it, the Bible says that his skin came out as, as, as clean. He was clean of his upper sea. And, you know, again, our human minds, how much sense does that make? But it's faith. It is marching in circles and shouting praises when your enemy is ready to do battle. Now, how much sense does that make? It is marching in circles and shouting praises when your enemy is ready to do battle. You know, a lot of times we have to prepare ourselves for battle. We have to do all these things. And, you know, to the children of Israel, to this mighty, this, this huge city that they marched around one time, Every day, for seven times, and the last day they were supposed to march around and say, well, what good is this? But this faith, just simply carrying out what God has asked me to do. It is sometimes trust tasting the sweetness of God in the saltiness of our tears. Just simply trusting God for what he said. You know, sometimes um, our human reasoning gets in, God, in, in the way of what God really wants to do. It's being called to sacrifice your only son when they're with no explanation why, just told to go. Just told to go. How's your faith this morning? How's my faith this morning? Okay. Let's pray. Father, this God, this morning, we just bow our heads before you again. We have prayed before, but we're just here to pray again, to ask that you would just bring clarity to my mind. And that you would heal my voice, my throat. And Lord, we just pray for healing. And I pray, Lord, for this small group of God's people here that we could learn the secret of spiritual strength. And I pray, Lord, you just unarm us. And we would allow the light of Jesus to shine in our darkened hearts. And you would illuminate all darkness and bring to light what you want to bring to light. I pray for these young people, Lord, as they Minister in song today, tonight. Give them voices, Lord, to sing and to lift up your high and holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So this morning, um, I've been thinking about some of these things for quite some time. And uh, first of all, I was going to speak on 
uh, finding security in God, finding security in, in, in Christ. You know, where do I find my security? And as, as I, the more I looked into this, the more I thought about it, you know, I just changed the, I changed the thought, you know, um, the secret of spiritual strength. Where is the sp- secret of spiritual strength? How do I find it? Where is it? And uh, <clears throat> so we're just going to take a little bit of time. We're going to look at some things at the children of Israel. You know, they did not um, how they failed. And many times we are like them. And so um, I think there's some things that we can learn from them. And uh, and how many times as I was looking into this and reading the scriptures and I was like, you know, how many times am I exactly the same way? I would have made some of the same choices, if not worse. You know, because our human reasoning many times gets in the way. And, and so we were we. We try to, instead of simply trusting something that we cannot see, can I trust God because He's a spirit? The Bible talks about He's a spirit. I cannot see Him, but we know He's there. And how many times do I have to trust something that I can feel, I can touch, I can, I can, I can, you know, I can use my five senses? And yet God is saying, don't go down there to Egypt. I want you to trust me. And so, if you would turn with me to Amos, Chapter 8, we're going to look at two main scriptures, so we're just going to look here at Amos 8 for a little bit. We're going to turn to Isaiah. In Amos 8, let's read two verses. Turn with me there. Amos 8, there's two verses I want to read here. 11 and 12, I don't think I'm going to make it, but we're just going to trust God. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, and I will send a famine into the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. And they shall run to and fro to seek the word, seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. You know, there's a lot of starvation going on today. Um, starvation exists in churches today. There's people who are starving for the truth of God's word. We were listening. My wife was listening to a message this morning. It was preached to Bible school this morning. And this speaker, whoever he was, he said this statement. Sometimes we are willing to. Um, are, I'm not sure if I can say word exactly the way he had it, but we're willing to. To cave in on truth. In other words, to look like the world, to win the world. We're willing to lay down truth to pr- promote truth. And, you know, in other words, we're willing to, um, to, 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 I wish I could, I should have wrote it down. I just thought he said it very beautifully. But starvation exists in the church today. Pastors are, are, the pastors of our churches today, and I'm not speaking about one congregation or, or I'm just looking at the whole picture across the board. You know, many pastors, let's not us be guilty of trying to pacify the minority for the sake of peace. And how many times do I pacify the minority for the sake of peace? And, you know, and I'm guilty of that. I am willing to pacify the minority to, for the sake of peace. I do the work all the time. People get irritated. Why do you allow this guy to do what he does? You know, because I want peace. And how many times does that happen in our congregations? How many times does that happen in our families? And all these types of things. We are willing to, 
to pacify the minority for the sake of peace, and we forfeit, this is back into a church setting again, or into a family setting again, we are willing to forfeit the purity of the gospel for the sake of peace. And that's what was happening. And you know, the, even in the prophets of old, you know, there, there was prophets that were willing to say it the way it is, simply because they were willing to, to pacify the minority. I say this. If the pastors of the common day church today would speak out against some of the things that are erroneous sins in the church of Jesus Christ today, the churches would empty out. I'm not talking about just our Anabaptist circles. I'm talking as a church as a whole. This horrific sin of divorce and remarriage. If the pastors of today would preach the truth of God's word and where this takes people, at the end of the day, the churches would end out. You would not have mega churches today if they would just simply preach God's word. You know, the safest thing when you're confronting people with sin is stick with God's word. You know, I admire the people and I find myself many times in, in, in going toe to toe with my some of my wife's family. And I have found, instead of having all this human reasoning out there, to stick with God's word to confront this New Age movement. You have to stick with God's word. Because I used to have all this reasoning. And I have soon learned the hard way. Hey, you know what? The best way to confront these things, and Brother Roger, you probably find this on the, on those, on the sign ministry, on the billboard ministry, to stick with God's word. Is that right? You just simply stick with God's word. What did God say? And, you know, at the end of the day, and I say this many times, at the end of the pike, at the end of the road, you will meet God. And you know what? You might as well face reality today, because at the end of the road, this is what God said, and you are not going to change it. You are not going to change it. And I have pencil here. God, forgive us for listening to people and not to you. How many times in the children of Israel, in the provinces old, you know, these prophets, they wanted to learn, they wanted to, to pacify the people, and they were guilty of listening to the people and not to God. You know, <coughs> as the children of Israel, they came, they came to the very brink of the promised land. And what happened? Who made it across? Two people. They wandered around in the wilderness for 40 long years, and only two of the original people made it across. Now, how does that make sense? Because... The people were not willing to put their faith, their trust in what God has said. You know, it's hard for me to fathom. Yes, I, and, and, and the sec, in the same token, I don't want to be hard on the children of Israel in one sense of the word, because if I was standing there today, where would I be? Would I be like the children of Israel who said, hey, these guys are giants. They are they're going to consume us as bread. We're going to be bread to them and on and on to go. And Caleb, Joshua said, hey, God made this promise to us. Let's grab hold of what God has said. Let's go. Let's go. <clears throat> How many times do I sit on a pew? You know what? I think we can all look, at it, look in the mirror and say, you know what? I've been guilty of this. How many times do I sit on the pews of Sunday after Sunday, withhold my support? You know, this is just old-fashioned childness. This is just old-fashioned, be just old-fashioned carnality. Nothing has changed. How many times do I sit on a pew and withhold my support and my labor in the church, wanting to be catered to and not wanting to offend by what the and, and be offended by what the preacher has to say? 
I don't like what the preacher's telling me, so you know what? I'm just going to hunker down. I don't care. I'm going to have this attitude. You know, that goes on. That's just old-fashioned carnality. And yet we pray in the morning, Lord, give us a message from your word. And this pastor has, has prepared. He has worked hard. He has labored. He has stayed up at night. He has lost sleep to prepare, prepare a message for God's people. And then we, I don't like what he says to say. I don't like what he's telling me. I don't, like, I don't want to make them changes. I don't want to do these things. So you know what? Instead of cutting a check for X, X amount, we make it for Y amount. You know, we, we become offended. We, we walk out the door. We, we do all these things. You know, really? Really? What does God have to say? Sadly, we justify ourselves and even take offense to someone who questions our lack of hunger and, de- <coughs> and desire to see God move. Are you hungry this morning? Do you want to see God move? Do you desire to see God move? Are you hungry for what God has for you today? Let's let's look at let's flip back to Numbers 11, 4 and 6. Numbers 11, 4 and 6. Numbers 11, 4 through 6. Let's see here. And it says like this, And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? They were coming out of the, they were tired of, they were tired of the manna that God was sending them. And by the way, you know, how can they get anything better than what God has given to you? If God has given you manna from heaven, we all say, God, give us manna from heaven. And here the children of Israel had manna day after day, week after week. And you know, it was there every morning. They were told when to gather, how to gather, and why they should gather. And, you know, even they couldn't even obey some simple instructions. And we remember the fish and which we did eat in Egypt freely. The cucumbers, the lemons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. Which they could have kept that. But now our soul is dried away, and there is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. And the manna, and we'll just quit right there. So all they could see is this manna. All they could have is this manna. They were, they were, so they had to think back to their old life. You know, is it possible? Let me just ask you this question. <clears throat> is it possible to get bored? Uh, let me see how I have this. Is it possible to get bored with sitting at the precious table of our Lord? Is it possible to get bored? God, this is the same thing over and over and over. Is it possible to get bored sitting at the precious table of the Lord? Do you get bored Talking about Jesus, do you get bored about these? Do you get bored with these conversations? I remember back in my younger days when people talked about Jesus all the time. It's like, come on, let's move on with something more exciting. You know, today I find myself exactly opposite. You know, there's something about I I enjoy these conversations, <clears throat> but am I bored with talking about the things of the Lord? Let's turn to John six. John 6, the Old Testament. There's sometimes that I wish I was savvy with a computer. I would just print these verses out so I could quickly read them, but I'm not very computer sound, so we'll just look at them for, in the Bible the way they are written. <clears throat> in John 6, 53, starting at 53. 
And it says this. And these are the words of Jesus. And very, very, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. If you don't. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. Jesus was talking about. Uh, let's uh, talk about right here. In 47, it says, Verily, verily, I say, He that believeth on me hath eternal life. And Jesus was saying, I am the bread of life. And now these Jews are trying to figure out, you know, how can he say that he's the bread of life? In 53, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of the man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life and will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. These, these things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. These things, this manna that you have ate back in the desert, in the wilderness, <coughs> your fathers are all dead. But this bread that you're going to eat of me is going gonna, is gonna to make you have eternal life. You will live. Um, how does it say here? Let me see here. How does it say this? Oh, and then 58 says, He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. This bread that I'm going to give you, you are going to live forever. In Jeremiah 2, let's go to Jeremiah 2. Verses 11. Let's start at 11. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are not yet, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for they which doth not profit. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this. Be you horribly afraid. He be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn them out, cisterns, broken cisterns, which can hold no water. So this is an old-fashioned problem. God is saying, you know what? You have... You have committed some evils here. You have forsaken me as the fountain of living water. Jesus is the living water for you today. And so these, so the children of Israel have, has make their, made themselves sisters, but they don't hold no water. They're broken. And how many times do we do that on a spiritual level? You know, we try to drink from our own cistern. Am I truly hungry for God? Let's turn to John, back to John again. In John 4. <clears throat> John 4:32. It says, and he said unto them, I know you have I have meat to eat that ye know not of. And then that's 32 and 34 says says, these are words of Jesus, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. That is the meat that we're supposed to do, to do the will of the Father, to do what the work that he has cut out for you to do, and not my own will. Let's go over to John 6. In John 6, 
Verse 26, it says, Verily, very, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves and were filled. How many times do I go to church? And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this game for the loaves and the fishes. I'm not in for the real meal deal. I come because I want the loaves and the fishes. <coughs> and how many times are, are people, we as people sitting in churches, and we're in for the loaves and the fishes and not really to do the will of the Father? Let's uh, read 27. Let's read 27 here. It says, Labor not for the meat which perishes. Do not labor for the things that perish in life, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Life. You know, how much time is spent to, to work and to labor for the things that don't last? That don't last. It says to labor for the things that are going to last. The secret of our strength. Where do we find the secret of our strength? You know, we talked about the children of Israel, how they went down to Egypt, how they made their own cisterns. We must receive our life by feeding on Jesus. The words of Jesus, what Jesus taught us. What we ate yesterday will not supply our need today. What we what happened yesterday is gone and past. We have to find this fresh manna. Every day. You know, I struggle sometimes. I'm not a real avid reader reader. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna choose what I read, I'm gonna choose books, I'm gonna choose literature that speak to the point. And so therefore I'm just not gonna pick up any old book and just read it. It has to have meat and potatoes in it. It it, it the, and simply because I have Kind of program myself simply because I'm not an avid, a real avid reader, and I, that I just pick up something and read. So it has to have some meat. So what I the, the so um, by way of confession, you may say, I have never. I've tried, but I have never ever read through the Bible in a year. That was not one of my goals. It has never happened, and simply because. Maybe it's just an excuse here. I don't know. But simply because I would rather read a passage of Scripture and take one verse that really spoke to me and just feed on that. And to me, and, and allow it to sink deep in your heart and allow it to change you. You know, sometimes you're these people that read the Bible through three, four times a year. I'm like, whoa, I cannot imagine to spend that much time reading and, you know, I, I, I look at people like that and I'm like, wow, that is just amazing. But I, maybe I should try. I don't know. Now that I got this app on my phone, maybe I can listen to it and that's as good as reading. I don't know. But anyway, let's move on. We must come to the Lord's table daily. Am I feeding at God's word at his table daily? That is where I'm going to find my strength. Let's look at another scripture. Let's turn to Isaiah. Let's turn to Isaiah. Let's see if I can find it. Isaiah 30. 
Verse one, it says, woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me. And that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin upon sin, sin to sin. And I think it's interesting. Um, this word rebellious, it has a thought in the Hebrew, it has a thought of backsliding, stubbornness, a turning away. So what did they turn away from? <clears throat> Why or what were God's people turning away from? What caused them to turn away? And let's and uh, the answer is right here. It says it says that they took counsel, but not of me. You know they were asking counsel, but they didn't ask at the right source. It says that <clears throat> they would devise their own plans, but they would not be guided and directed by God's Spirit. And if there's anything that I really covet, would really want in my life, is to be totally directed and, and controlled by the Spirit of God. And how many times, we'll talk about this a little later, but how many times do we run around to these, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with these things. I'm just simply saying, if, if we had wisdom from God, what would it account for? How, what would that be like if, if our wisdom would be, and we would just block out all this secular wisdom, but we would just have this pure wisdom coming down from the Heavenly Father, guided by the Holy Spirit, and to show us and to teach us the way. But how much energy and time that I have wasted going to, I remember, you know, when we were first married, you know, we had time on our hands, so to speak. We didn't have no children for I don't know how many years. So we had a lot of time and we would run around these seminars and these, you know, learn about God and learn how to um, navigate in life. And to and to and to these conventions, we'd go and to all these things we'd go. And pretty soon after a while, I was just like, this is too much. This is too much. And, you know, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with those things. But how many times if we would have just simply learned at Jesus' feet, where would have got us? What would have done for us? You know, you get burned out after a while going to all these things. Is there anything wrong with these things? No, but could it be better? Yes. And, the, and you know, like the children of Israel, it says they take counsel, but not of me. It's not saying that these men who were the speakers were, were not godly men. I'm not saying that. But they defies plans, but not in my spirit. We have to remember when I, we were going to those things, it's a man that is simply speaking his heart. And he has, he's taking it from the word of God, but it's a man. But if we would just simply learn to navigate by the spirit of God, and that's what I covet. That's what I want. God says, my people no longer look for me for guidance and counsel. What is God saying about me today? Why don't they look to me? Instead, they're looking everywhere else. My people no longer look. I'll just read what I have penciled here. My people no longer look for me for guidance or counsel. Instead, they lean on the arm of flesh. And how many times do I look, lean on the arm of flesh for wisdom? You know, there's nothing wrong with that. The Bible talks about there's safety in asking and counsel. You know, ask people. But at the end of the day, let's make sure 
God is in it. They act, they, we act without seeking Him. The children of Israel, they acted without seeking Him. Turning to the world for help. They pow sin upon sin. The Bible says they add sin upon to sin. You know, it's getting worse. We're digging a deeper hole. You know, when sin comes into a person's life, then another sin. And you know, I just told my wife, I said, you know, I said, they're just digging a deeper hole. And you know, there is no way out of that hole except through Christ and Him alone. God's people knew full well they were to trust the Lord in every situation, no matter how small or how big. You know, how is it? We go through our day and we have these decisions we need to make from time to time. Do we talk to the Lord like we talk to like Johnny or Henry or Susie or Sally? Do we talk to them and say, you know, what do we do here? You know, the other day I was trying to put a line on a, on a truck. And it was very difficult to reach up behind the engine and try to get this little fitting started at a weird angle. And I could not get that thing off. I finally called a mechanic. And he says, well, you got to have a... Most of you probably don't know what this wrench is, but it's a crow's foot. And he said, you have to have a crow's foot to get this fitting off. I said, man, I don't know. I was 10 miles away from the shop. And I said, I don't know if I have one in my service truck. I'll find out. And I says, uh, if I don't have one, I guess I just have to fold everything out. And I have to go back to the shop and get this crow foot. At least I could get a shorty wrench in there. At least I could figure out what size it was. <coughs> it was 11 sixteenths. And so I had this crow's foot. And I was trying to reach down behind the fire, between the firewall and the engine, which was only about this much room in there. And I was trying to get my wrench down in there, this crow's foot. And it was down from the top of the engine about this much. And there was other stuff hanging there. And I'm like... I mean, they need to build these engines to the way out somewhere so you get in there. And uh, I was trying to get my big fat arm in there. I could not get down in there at that thing. So I said, I'm going to take off the valve cover. There were three valve covers on it. I took off the back one that gave me about that much room. And so finally, I went and looked. I had myself a crow's foot. And I could not break this thing off. You know what I said? Jesus, I cannot get this thing. You have to help me. I can't do it by myself. And I took this extension, this, this swivel and knuckle, and I stuck it, and I just gave, mm, and it gave. I'm like, praise Jesus. You know, many times we go to a man for help. You know, and, and you know, the man that told me what I needed, he was a secular man. But you know, what I'm trying, the point that I'm trying to make is, without Christ in our lives, we have no anchor for the soul. We have nowhere to turn to. You know, there's times... Um, there's a steel sales lady that comes to our shop. She, I found out since then she has retired. But she would come periodically. She's a salesman nonetheless. And one time we got talking about the politics. And, you know, and I was talking about, you know, the chaotic mess that this world's in. The politics. And, and after a while she goes, well, maybe we shouldn't talk about politics. Well, the point that I was trying to make, this world is a mess. And until you have an anchor that's in Christ... We're going to end up where the children of Israel are at. We're going to end up in a chaotic mess. We're going to be going to Egypt for help. We're going to, and you know, why are you going to Egypt to begin with? They are the very people that have put you into slavery. They are the very people that have, that have been very hard on your ancestors. And now you're going back to these guys? You know, your old grandpas would say, you've got a problem. 
Why are you going to the back to the people that made us go out there and build bricks in a hot blazing sun? And now, and then they took the straw away from us. Now we have to go find our own straw. We have to make this mud. And you're going back to these people? But that's what they did. They went back to Egypt for help. Can you imagine? Their, their old ancestors, they just like, you have got to be kidding me. But you know how many times do we make a 180 circle and we go back to where we came from? You know, why, why go back to what the world has to offer? It don't have nothing to offer you. Let's turn to Psalm 36. Psalm 36. And it reads like this. Psalm 36, 7 and 9. It says, How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. I like that. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is a fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. Let's go over to Psalm 57. In Psalm 57, 1 and 2, it says, Be merciful unto me, O God, be merciful unto me, for my soul trusteth in thee. Yea, in the shadow of thy wings will I make my refuge until these calamities be overpassed, be passed over. We're going to hide under God's wings as a chicken gathers her brood together and she protects them under his wings. That is what we are. You know, Isaiah is trying to declare that God would break down all their protective walls. Your plans are going to collapse. Let's turn it back to Isaiah 30, where we first started. Isaiah 30. Let's read, two, let's read some verses there. 13 and 14. And this says this. Therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out on a high wall, who break, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. Your plans are going to collapse. Their plans are going to collapse. And 14 reads like this, And he shall break it as the breaking of a potter's vessel that is broken in pieces. He shall not spare, so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it a shred to take fire from the hearth. Or to take water without, with with all out of the pit. These pieces are of pottery are going to be broken so fine that they are going to be useless to you. I am going to collapse everything that you have planned. Now let's get to, let's get get this. God has a compassionate heart toward His people. In fifteen, now the tune of the now this tune changes. In 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 chapter thirty, verse fifteen, it says. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall ye be your strength. Ye would not. And uh, the answer in the, in the strength, um, in the secret of our strength that's in God is in confidence and quietness shall be your strength. But you know, many people don't want to go there. They have to... Um, Quietness has the meaning of repose, indicating calm, relaxing, free from all anxiety. You know, we live in a world that is full of anxiety. People are running scared. You know, oh, what's the next election going to bring us? Are we going to get, you know, you know, these things cross my mind too. 
You know, where, what does the future hold? But you know what? When we're anchored in Christ, does it really matter? You know, when people ask you, what the, at the end of the day, what does it matter? It's all pointing to one direction, the end, the end. And so God is going to allow whatever it takes to bring about his purposes and the end. And I am here to t- propose to you this morning, prepare yourself for that great day. We, many are looking for answers in conferences, seminars, best-selling books. You know how many times do we have these, <coughs> excuse me, how many times do you read these best-selling book and we think, we're, here's the answer. Can we find answers in those types of things? Yes, you probably can. You know, we want guidance. We all want guidance. We want solutions. Something to calm our spirit. We're looking, but you know, many times like the children of Israel, we look in all the wrong places. Except... We don't turn to God. You know, let's turn to God. In Isaiah 32:17, let's turn to Isaiah 32:17. Just flip over, and the works of righteousness shall, and the works of righteous, and the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness quiet and assurance forever. That's uh, 32 verse 17. And my people shall dwell in peaceable habitation and assured dwellings and quiet resting places, and so forth and so on. And first, and let's go to now. Let's go to the New Testament to First Peter. In First Peter three, verse four, and it says, "Let the hidden let and let it be the hidden man of the heart, and that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God a great price." So this meek and quiet spirit. It's um, it is not corruptible. It cannot decay. It is it is. That's where it's at in the meek and quiet spirit and which is in the sight of God a great price. Is that what I have? You know, Paul is speak. Peter, sorry, Peter is speaking of the beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. And uh, let's go back to Isaiah. I'm going to read. I've missed the verse here. I want to read to you. The only thing I really have worth saying is what the Bible has to say here this morning. In verse 3 it says, it says this. Now the Egyptians are men, not God, and their horses, flesh, and not spirit. When the Lord shall stretch out his hand, both he that helps shall fall, and he that is helpless shall fall down, and they shall fail together. The answer is not in, in, in the world system. The answer is not in, in the Egyptians. The answer is not in, our, in the horses of our, in, the, in the U.S. military. The answer is not there. The, the answer is in God himself. You know, someday it's all going to fold up together. If we go to those places, it's going to all leave us down. But, you know, God, the Bible says that he is the same today, yesterday. He has all he will be. He all he is and all he will be. He is not going to change. <clears throat> The Holy Spirit gives us strength when we re- when we release our needs into God's hands and trust in His might. Isaiah listed the good things that come to those who wait on the Lord in all ways. In um, Isaiah 30, there's a couple of verses. On, my voice is <coughs> my throat is giving out on me here. I'll just quickly finish up here in Isaiah 30:18, and it reads like this. And there's just a few verses I want to read to you yet. 
And Isaiah, here's the last passage I have. Isaiah in Isaiah 30, verses 18 and 19. And therefore will the Lord wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted that he may have mercy upon you. For Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. Let's jump down to 21. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. When ye turn to the right hand, and when ye turn to the left. Let's go on down here to 20, 29. And ye shall have a song, as in the night, when a, when a holy solitary is kept. And gladness of heart, as one that goeth with a pipe to come into the mountain of the Lord, to the mighty one of Israel. And the Lord shall cause his glorious voice to be heard. He shall show the lightning down in his arm, the indignation of his anger, and with a flame of defying fire, with scattering tempests and hailstones, and so forth and so on. But I just like to conclude here. God wants all. He wants it all. He wants everything you have. He wants it all. He wants my health, including my affliction that I have right now. He wants that. He wants my family. He wants my future, which many of us, too many times, I'm scared to give up future because what is he going to ask me to do? Uh, you know, it's scary. What is he going to ask me to do? What if he asked me to... You put in a, You fill out the dots. You fill out the blank. What if he asked me to do something I'm scared to do? I don't have the charisma to do it. I don't have this. I don't have the talent. I don't, and we have all these excuses. At least I do. And trust him with everything. Now, these, now this, this is easy to say, but i just like to include here. And trust him with everything that matters. It all matters. So I can live in quietness and confidence and rest. This is the way. Walk ye in it. And turn not to the right hand or to the Lord. But walk in the ways of God. May God bless you.